Hi, I'm Pastor Stefan Margeson. This is the sermon podcast for Aldersgate Worship Service of Front Street United Methodist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. Come and join us each Sunday morning in person at 8.45 a.m. in the Aldersgate Gym. God be with you. Before we begin, begin, let us pray. Holy and gracious God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you. And God, let us go forth proclaiming good news with many exhortations to all who will listen. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Well, today is about joy. Today is about joy. And so I'll ask you a question. As you think about home, and I'll I'll expand this idea of home, not just from the place that you were raised or maybe even the family that you were raised with, but, but any idea of home that you hold dear to you, what joys come to mind? Maybe they're joys of, of comfort and of peace. Maybe you have a simple hug, the presence of a friend or a loved one there in the room with you. Maybe it's cookies. Or for those that traveled for Thanksgiving, maybe it's stuffing. Whatever it is for you, I imagine you have a picture of at least what joy is in home. Maybe that's changing. Maybe that's something different than it was a number of years ago, and that's okay. I want you to think of something that brings you joy in the idea of home and hold on to it this morning, okay? Think of something that brings you joy in the idea of home and hold on to it. Joy. You see, last week we talked about fear, the fear of going home. And certainly for many of us, there is a fear that comes with going home. But hopefully there is joy also. It shows up particularly in the story of the prodigal son. Many of you have heard that story, where a son has taken his inheritance early and gone out into the world and tried to fend for himself, thinking as though he had enough he was enough, or even seeking after more and more to be his own person. And he found that after a while he lost all of his money and the people that surrounded him, and he ended up sleeping with the pigs, only to then journey back home. Now, to be sure, there was fear in that journey of going back home for him, fear of being rejected, fear of not being accepted by his family and friends that were there that knew him before, There was a lot of fear, and yet there must have been a sense of joy. There must have been, because if it was only fear, then what would have brought him back? So in the sense of joy, even though fear is a pervasive feeling in our lives, even though fear causes us to go away from things that might cause us joy, fear keeps us sitting down as opposed to walking out, venturing in the world, There is yet joy, and I don't want us to underestimate the power of joy in our lives. I don't want us to underestimate the power of the joy that Christ calls us to in this season. That yes, this worldly joy as we understand it may be only a limited feeling. It is yet a taste of what God wants for us in every moment of our lives. Joy. Joy. And so I imagine there was a sense of at least a little bit of joy for this young man to return home, even in the midst of fear. And maybe that joy for him was in knowing his father was a loving father, that he was probably going to accept him back. 
Maybe he didn't know that his father was going to be waiting day in and day out, waiting at the roadside to run out and meet him. But he might have thought at least his father would accept him in with a short level of punishment before, right? And so he returns and finds this, this dad running out into the streets, embracing him and welcoming him back with a huge party. He finds joy in this space and his father in this home because it is a place that he, after having ventured out into the world and made so many mistakes and faults, have lost so much that he can come back to and find a place of healing and care and respite, maybe even a place to restart. Because that's part of this journey as well this prodigal son that we might not think about, that after this time of coming back and the welcome party that is receiving of him, you can't imagine that this son didn't want to go out and try again another time, right? Maybe with some more wisdom this time around, maybe with some more patience and endurance for what the world would offer him. And in the love of the father that let him go the first time, welcomed him back in that time, I imagine that that father would still love him enough to let him go back out again. I love that idea. The joy of home, at least for me, in, in many senses, is a place where I can recollect, where I have gone out into the world and made many mistakes and faults, and yet I could come back to this place I call home, wherever it might be, and find a restart, a replenishing of the soul, a replenishing of myself to go back out again. And there we might find joy. Now, how does it do this? Well, I remember growing up, uh, one of my earlier houses that I lived in uh, from age zero to five uh, was a farmhouse in northern Maine. And this farmhouse in northern Maine had a, uh, a mudroom, and it was required of us, of all of us, that worked out on the farm, even at the age of five, uh, to make sure you took your shoes off in the mudroom before you came in. Of course, myself and my brother, being five and under, we would trudge out in the snow and make a mess of ourselves and our clothes and especially our shoes. And then we'd come in and from time to time we might take off our shoes and then other times we might forget. Now, during the snowy season, my mother and grandmother would kindly, graciously remind me to take my shoes off before I entered the rest of the house, right? Yeah. But it was called a mudroom not a snow room, because it wasn't so much the worry about the snow that tracked in. That was a pretty easy cleanup, but the season after the snow had melted. And I tell you what, cold water mixed in the hard mud underneath the ground of snow, that is not something that comes off easy off the laminate or wood floorings in your house. I don't know this, but my mother and grandmother have told me a number of times. And so in the muddy seasons that followed, the, uh, well, loving hands that came across me to remind me to take my shoes off before entering the home, they weren't quite as calm or gracious as during the snowy season. During the muddy season, it was a bit more boisterous, and that's okay, I learned. But I imagine this space as these people are coming to John as sort of that mudroom. You see, it says at the beginning that, or it says at the end, rather, that he's offering them good news. Certainly something to be joyous of. Good news. But his first words as they come up to him are, you brood of vipers. Does that sound like good news? 
I don't know. He seems to lambast them, to get on to them for all the wicked ways they had lived in the world, to let them know that Christ was coming with an axe at the base of their tree, that every withering branch would be cut off and thrown into the fire. I'm not sure how good that sounded to the people at the time, and, and yet they kept coming with questions of what do I do? And so I imagine this time as these people are coming to John the Baptist, yet before Christ has come, yet before the Messiah has made his presence known, that this was the mudroom. This was the mudroom where they were called to come in and take their shoes off. This call against them, you brood of vipers, leave everything at the door, take your muddy shoes off, don't track it in here. That was that call from John the Baptist and some strong words to prepare this time for a transition. They were about to step into holy waters, the waters of baptism, and John wanted them to be prepared for that moment. And so in this first moment of taking your shoes off to walk into that space, it was a moment for John to tell them, come with a confessing heart. Come with all that you have done in the world to bring it to God, but leave it at the door because that is in your past. Leave it at the door because that doesn't come into the house. You are accepted for who you are. But leave all of those behind. Now, it's twofold here. It's not just a moment of confession, but I, I think it's more intimate as well. You see, taking your shoes off before entering a space is actually pretty common during this time and for years before. I remember another man who entered a space and took his shoes off before approaching. This was Moses. After spending some time after exile, uh, he became a sheep herder. And in a moment where he was chasing down a rogue sheep, found on the mountainside a bush that was on fire. And this bush, not only was it on fire, but it was speaking to him. And the first thing that the bush tells Moses is, take your shoes off, for this is holy ground. There, in that threshing space, before he had entered the holy ground, this burning bush reminds him to take your shoes off, leave the mud outside, don't bring those mistakes in here. Bring just you, your raw self. It's that and also the call from this bush, from this holy space for you to come in and feel with your whole self the presence of God here. In some play on words, you could say the burning bush, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit wanted Moses to feel through his souls the soul of God in his heart. Moses was supposed to feel the beauty of the earth with his own bare feet. And so yet in this space, as these people come in to be baptized by John the Baptist, he calls them to take their shoes off at the door to leave that mud behind, but not just because we don't want the mistakes, but because we want you to feel with your raw self the presence of God in this space. We want you with your raw self to come in and meet the Messiah with exactly who you are, your broken, hurting self, your bare, hurting feet, to feel the presence of God with your very being. This preparation, this moment of confession, walk through repentance, and offering of one's whole self is what we do in worship each and every time we gather. We confess our sins openly to one another in God and to God. And we come feeling and even tasting the presence of God in our midst. But the goodness and the joy that follows is not over. It's not done in that moment. 
as John the Baptist welcomes these people in, they come to him realizing that they must take their shoes off to leave their mistakes behind to feel the full presence of God in this moment, and yet they come to him asking, what should I do next? Remember, the prodigal son, though he, at the end of the story, seems to stay home, we can imagine that he goes off again to try his own way in the world once more. And we imagine that in that loving father, that attitude would allow him to do that, just as God the Father would allow us as well, as we come home after our mistakes, after our failings, and are refilled, we are yet sent out into the world to try again. And what does John do? as those people come to him, the soldiers and the tax collectors, and they ask, what do I do? What do I do from here moving forward? And the beauty of John's response is remarkable. You see, he doesn't tell the tax collectors and the soldiers or the politicians or uh, any of those people who we might think need a career change to move into something better, more fitting for the community, right? No, he tells them to be who they are, and yet to live as though they are enough. Now listen to the words that he tells the tax collector. As the tax collector asks, what do I do? John tells him, he says, go and take what you have earned, but no more, no more. At the surface level, he's reminding the tax collector to not take advantage of other people, yes. But then at a deeper level, he's reminding the tax collector in this moment that your worth, your value, your true self is not dependent on the amount of money that you have. You don't have to collect more than what you are earning. You don't have to collect more than what you need. You don't have to collect any more money to be more valuable in my sight. You don't have to do that. You are valuable enough. You are worthy enough as you are. And the same thing to the soldier. John reminds the soldier to go out and to not take advantage of other people as in your place of authority. He's reminding the soldier in this moment that you don't have to have more authority. You don't have to have more power over other people to have value in this world, to have importance in my place of home. You don't have to have more in order to be enough. You are enough as you are. I hear that and I love that blessing from John, to be reminded that you don't have to change all of who you are, just know that you are enough. What a call to us today, that live in such a busy world that is defined by success as wanting to be better than the other people around you, and also even be better than where you were last year and the year before. Progress is always the name of the game, and to have John here proclaiming early for the Messiah that you are enough, that you don't have to go after more in this world, that you don't have to seek more of yourself, more pride, more earnings, more money, more power, more authority. You don't have to have any more because you are enough. You are enough. What joy there is in that. What joy there is in that. That's the blessing of today. That's the joy in the words that John offers to each of these people that comes through, the good news that he lifts up. While you may be a brood of vipers as you come in, yet as you are sent out, you are still and always will be children of God. Not having to change all of who you are, but just to know that you are enough in where you are in this moment. What beauty. And that's what we hope the church is. 
As I said at the beginning, your place of home may not be the home that you were raised in. It may not be the family that you were raised with. It may be a group of friends that you have met along the way. It may be a place of respite or care out in the world somewhere. Maybe even the gym, if that's the place where you have claimed as home. Wherever it is, we hope that the church can be that for you. We hope that this space right here with these people among you can be a place of home, of respite and care, that no matter what you have done in the world, no matter what mistakes, yes, we may ask you to take your shoes off before you come in, but it's not because we don't love you for who you are, it's because we want you to feel the earth underneath your feet and the holy presence of God in your lives, to feel it through your souls, literally, and into your soul of your hearts. We want you to know that God loves you and that you are enough for who you are right now. Nothing more. And so we invite you to do that. We invite you to do that as in a moment we will come to this table. That is not the table of the United Methodist Church or of Front Street. This is the Lord's table. The way has been prepared. Think of this as a burning bush with all of our candles here calling you to take your shoes off in confession, walking forward to this holy space and feeling through your feet and even in your mouth the presence of God in your lives to be made full in your bodies and in your souls to go out into the world as God sends you. Knowing that you are enough and claiming for others that they too are enough. What joy. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, I pray that as we seek your presence in all things, that you will remind us of who you are in our lives, calling us to come home, calling us to, even in the midst of fear, to let that joy and presence of home be for us a guiding light to your holy spaces. And God, reminding us in each moment that we are enough. God of great joy, we pray to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.